0: The perspective or the mind shift I'll give you there is this is your book of business. And if you're building your book of business on a platform you don't own, then your book of business could disappear at any point. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie
1: Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today, my guest is Jose quiros How you doing, Jose? I'm doing wonderful, man. How are you? I am doing fantastic. We're both, you were in Northern California and I'm just outside of Portland. So we're both cleaning up after the whole wildfire season here. So I was before the show started, like one minute before I hit the button, I was kind of wiping off like ash and stuff that had come through my window and I knocked all of my equipment over, like my monitor and my, my camera and everything went flying down behind my computer. It's just a disaster. But anyways, we're back when we're ready to go. So Jose Kuros is managing director of digital caliente a digital experience studio that helps brands define short-term and long-term digital strategies for their organization. Their client partners include AT&T, Mini Cooper, Shoe Palace, Nice Kicks, and one of my favorites, Star Trek As you can tell, I'm a huge nerd by all the Doctor Who books and stuff behind me that you probably can't see if you're listening on a podcast. But so, Jose, we want to talk about digital strategy and where to market online. But before we do that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Sure.
0: Awesome. So my name is Jose And As you mentioned, I'm the managing director of Digital Caliente. And really what that means is I help organizations figure out digital for their business. You know, what's their business model right now currently and how can digital support that, expedite that, scale that and make it sustainable for the long term. A lot of businesses and we kind of talked about this before we got on the podcast, a lot of businesses start with the tactical first. And so I make sure that when I come in to speak to a client, I'm not leading with tactical and I'm not leading with what my competitors Doing, I'm leading with what is it that your customer wants you to be doing um, when it comes to the digital space. I've been in digital marketing for a little under a decade, started at the corporate level, started my own agency, and then now I'm managing director of a global digital experience studio.
1: Let's get into it right away because you had a, a good question there. When you talk to a business, whether it's, you know, small business, big business, I don't think it really matters. A lot of times they come to you with a tactical question, kind of like you had talked about on your own podcast. A lot of them say, well, my competitor has an app, so I need an app or my competitor is doing Facebook ads. So I want to do Facebook ads. What do you think the difference or or the alternative to coming at marketing tactically is? Sure. So
0: strategy, uh, identifying who you are, what your values are, what's your mission statement, and what are you really trying to do here in in this? Now, granted, a lot of established businesses would probably already have this defined, but at that point, it's identifying how digital then supports that or plays a role and or et cetera. So I would advise that instead of looking at things from a competitive landscape, which you ideally should always look at what your competitors are doing, focus more on your customer, focus more on their behavior, what they're doing both in the short term and the long term. In the short term, you can spend time just seeing where are they in the digital space? Where are they playing? Where are they learning? Where are they educating? Where are they socializing? That could be anything from social media to forums to virtual events, all of that good stuff. You can get Granule too. What kind of devices are these people known to be using? Right. One of my clients, Nationwide uh, Retailer, we found that 80% of the people on our site were iOS Safari users. So then that started to leading us into the conversations of, okay, well, what can we do within this iOS device? Is it push notifications? Is it an app? Is it this, that, or the third? So identifying one, what is your customer doing right now? What's their lifestyle like? What's their behavior like? What are the different digital communication tools that they're using? And see if it makes sense for you to be there. And then two is, where are they going to go? And you can do this by, this is a quick tip for you guys, doing voice of the consumer research. So going on social media, going on forums, going on reviews on Amazon, et cetera, and looking at the media that your customer's consuming and seeing what's the feedback, what are they saying? Consumer health is a big thing that's, you know, come the next five years, you're going to see a lot of different brands bringing in products and services that are consumer health focused. So that starts to put you in that, OK, great. If this is where my customers going digitally, how do I support that, nurture that or meet them where they're at?
1: Absolutely. And I see a lot of people that in business, their marketing decisions are kind of based on headline reading, right? They're like, OK, well, I read that TikTok has 80 million users, so we need TikTok. And I read that this social dilemma video came out complaining about Facebook, so I'm, I'm not going to market on Facebook anymore. And I think that's really short sighted, right? But also, I mean, if you're a business, there's got to be some shortcuts somewhere, right? Because you can't know everything, so having and not to be self-serving, but having an agency that could look at these things for you or somebody, you know, like yourself that could do consulting with a business can really help kind of point them in the right direction. I think that advice is super valuable. Let me ask you this. And, you know, without getting too specific right now, and I mean, this is going to be a few weeks till this airs, so I'm sure there's going to be no more news out by them. But TikTok is partnering with Walmart, right? They're not bothering. They're being forced to sell to them. Why? <laughs> well, they're forced to. Yeah. Microsoft uh, apparently couldn't close that deal. And that's uh, a huge loss for Microsoft, by the way. But anyways, I was looking at statistics just for TikTok on its own. It's, it's, it's like almost a hundred million North American users and 80 or so million of those are just in the United States alone. That's like one in every five people, but I still see a lot of. Business owners and, you know, marketing people kind of turn their nose up to the platform, right? They still think that it's 16 year old girls on musically people dancing around kind of thing, which I mean, there's a lot of that on there. But if you're a business owner, how do you do research on something like TikTok to say, is this actually a viable option for me?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And I think the first thing you want to ask yourself is what is the purpose of this channel for me? If you're looking at TikTok in a sales generating way, I need this to let, generate leads. I need this to kick off my sales process. You're probably in the wrong platform. Why? It's not mature enough yet. It's not mature to give you analytics. It's not mature to give you a, a paid advertising platform. It's not mature to enough where things have been tested as so far as a sales funnel goes, right? And how the copy and how you're going to communicate your message across on that platform. So, but if you look at it from a branding perspective and you're telling yourself, you know what, this is going to be more so I can start getting ahead of Gen Z, then as they start to become more consumers that I could actually purchase on their own and not, you know, get mom and dad involved, maybe you use it as that. Maybe you use it as a branding tool to say, you know what, I just for the next year or six months, I'm just going to build this thing because I want to build an audience on here and I want to tap into those Gen Z folks. Now, six months to nine months from now, I'm going to identify, well, what is the offer then that I'm going to give these individuals based on the people that I'm building, right? That offer could be, hey, go join our email list, go join our YouTube channel, go check us out here. It doesn't necessarily have to be there. You had made a point of, you know, they're consuming information about TikTok and what's going on, etc. And then they're saying, yeah, we need to get on TikTok or not or whatever the case may be. Well, that's reactionary, right? So to all my business owners out there, let's stop being reactionary. Granted, there is times in our business that reactions need to happen, but let's save that for 10% of activities rather than our gamut of things. So what I would advise you to do if you're trying to entertain TikTok, I would one, brush up on it, right? Understand, okay, well, what is the content being used out there? Are there bigger brands there now? And what are they doing? I would also take influence on the top influencers in TikTok because they obviously have the pulse of the people, right? They're providing a content that's allowing them to get their followers up. You know, in reality, the reason why TikTok was so successful to a certain extent was creators were feeling drowned on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, right? If you were a new creator, you felt like you had a huge mountain to climb to get to the top because there's people who have been established in the platform and who are above you, right? TikTok gave them an avenue to be like, I can be one of the pioneers of this platform, the consumer, the audience member, et cetera, they started just getting more freedom. They worry, I have much more creative freedom here. I can do this, I can do that, and I can do snippets, etc. So figure out the platform. What's the unique value proposition of the platform? This is a thing and it kind of it's it's good advice for everyone, but I, I see this a lot of the times. Businesses want to repurpose the content that they're doing on Instagram and just share it to Facebook, share it here, share it there. You can repurpose the content. However, you have to understand that each one of these platforms exists for a certain reason. There's a certain intent in why the person is there and how they consume and how they engage in that platform. So even though the piece of content could be the same umbrella category or topic, et cetera, you're going to have to recraft it. You're going to have to make it, Maybe you're going to have to adjust your headline or adjust the the intro of your dialogue, whatever the case may be, to the platform. So if you're entertaining TikTok, one, identify what is the purpose of this channel? For now, I'm advising that it's more of a brand awareness approach. And don't get me wrong, brand awareness is extremely important. Why does Coca-Cola still run ads, right? When everyone knows who Coca-Cola is because it's important for the prospecting of your business. So look at it from that perspective and then also try to take a step back and remove any bias. (laughs) I've had conversations with folks who say, you know, like what you're saying, yeah, it's just a bunch of dancing teens and they don't understand it. But once you understand the individual using it, then you'll understand why it's so popular, because, it, again, it allows them the ability to become a forefronter in this platform and allows them more creative freedom. And the youth like we grew up with cartoons, the youth grew up with social media. And so their goal is to be a social media star, just like my goal was to be in a cartoon or to be on Nickelodeon, you know, whatever the case may be. So keep that in mind.
1: That's right. Everybody from my generation wanted to be a, like a Scooby-Doo detective. There you go. Exactly. I would have gotten away for a win if it wasn't for you kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, Ruby Rex. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So a couple of really good points that you hit on there. One of them I think happens all the time is, is people have their mind made up because somebody else told them through a headline or something on on the news or one of their friends told them, my kid uses TikTok. Five years ago, they were told that. And now they go, everybody on TikTok is a teenager. But, you know, you have to remember that the algorithm that's controlling what gets shown on those apps is trying to deliver the content that the person wants, who is the person watching it or reading it. And it's not the person posting it that the algorithm works for. It. everybody mixes those two things up. So they say everything on there is a bunch of dancing teenagers. Well, you know what? There's almost no dancing teenagers on my TikTok feed because I have trained it for the things that I want to see. I get a whole bunch of local business people. I get people talking about a lot of marketing related topics. And, uh, you know, and some of my hobbies is, you know, when, when you see some of our live videos and stuff, you can see that I've got a crap load of Dungeons and Dragons stuff on my shelf behind me. And I have Literally thousands of Dungeons and Dragons TikTok feeds that I could watch, right? There is every hobby, every niche that you can imagine. Somebody is out there doing something on it that you can watch. And because the videos are so short, I think you've got 15 second or one minute and then there's a live option, right, on TikTok. They're really quick hits, right? Just like when you read a tweet, you're not going to be sitting there reading a book all day, right? You know, it's just quick unless somebody's got like, you know, post one of seven or something and you got to read through them all. But for the most part, it's just one quick hit. You know, Facebook, YouTube, you get longer video and stuff like that that you can watch. The expectation on YouTube is obviously longer content. And, you know, I know what you mean about creators leaving those platforms. A lot of it was because the rules kept changing. The rules kept changing and not in their favor, I think is also a problem. A perfect example of why somebody would use a platform like TikTok versus something like Facebook or Instagram. We had some music playing in the background while uh, my wife shot a video of my baby when she was one year old dancing to this music. And it just got taken down because of a Sony Music DMCA request. Now my grandparents and parents and stuff and my relatives can't see the video of my baby dancing because Sony's pissed off about the music. But on TikTok, they don't take it down because TikTok had the rights to it already. They already purchased the rights to all this music. So that was a big deal, too. And not to just talk about TikTok the whole time. There's a million other channels we talk about, and I'd actually like maybe to discuss other places other than social media where people can promote their businesses. Because everybody talks about social media marketing right now, but there's so many other channels out there that businesses can use. And a lot of times they just think their only option is like, oh, I got to go and do some Facebook marketing or something, right? But there's there's options, right? Yeah. So why don't we maybe come up with a few of those options? What are kind of some of your clients' favorite channels? You don't have to give away any of your secret. Sauce or anything, but do you have some more common channels that businesses use now that work besides social? Yeah, for sure.
0: I mean, I'm here for full transparency, just to provide you guys insight, right? You guys are business owners and you're listening to this and you don't want to waste your time listening to something that's going to give you some tactical advice, right? And you're 100% right. Social media is usually what people lead with because it's the sexy thing, it's the flashy content and all that good stuff. I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball here. What really has helped our clients and our business grow is treating digital as an ecosystem. It has to all speak together. All your channels have to communicate together in order to fulfill the sale. What typically I see is people break them apart and it becomes a fragmented list of marketing to do's. Post the picture here, do this here, do this, that. Not understanding the full customer journey of things. So if you were going to use social media as a prospecting tool, that is your prospecting tool. That's where your brand awareness is. That's where you come, et cetera, et cetera. However, then you have to define the next logical step, right? So let's take service providers for an example, right? Social media is where you're throwing your high level pieces of content. What are the commonly asked questions that people have if you're a doctor right or a chiropractor or whatever the case may be uh, what are the pains and aches what are the objections that they have in their mind Are, are you legit are you gonna break me more than fix me you know these are other things that that your, your clientele is thinking about in their mind, right? It's, it's psychological objections and it makes total sense because we're all consumers and we all want to get the best bang for our buck. So maybe that becomes your social media content is all that high level stuff just to prospect and to build like rapport, all of that good stuff. But then your logical next step is, hey, if you're looking to for five ways to get your back adjusted correctly or how to make sure that you're not doing more damage to your lower back, check out this PDF, check out this video series, check out this whatever piece of content that's going to give you a, a fix it's going to give you value that's the thing we have to be able to provide value to someone an easy win once they get that they're like yep this person knows me they get me they understand my issues and they can fix me right so and this what i'm the example i'm giving you here is social media is your phase one then your phase two is your opt-in offer that could be on a landing page that could be on a webinar that could be on whatever other mechanism you decide to use from there is great. Now the people that I've actually got in front of with my content and gave them a free opt-in, gave them some value. Now I want to move them to a database, text message, email, uh, whatever the case may be, whatever data, physical addresses, if you want to direct mailing, whatever the case may be. So social opt-in database nurture. Then from there, you're going to be able to start using your emails, your texts, your affiliate partners, et cetera, to kind of keep nurturing that. But it's about how all of these systems are working together to Well, I call it a digital sales system. It becomes a digital sales system. Now it's imagine you have these digital uh, sales reps, right? This rep is all about branding and just say, saying, hey, we got the solution for you. And then this guy right here is to provide value and to show them who we are. And then this guy right here is just to maintain that relationship, make sure that we never lose touch. However, also to push them into pay. Think of it from a physical perspective. What are the different sales touch points that I need to have? And then how is digital going to facilitate that? So to even hone in more on the question, social media landing pages and opt-in offers, which becomes your website, your web design, so any web experience. And you could actually you not even have a full website, just the landing page. Go create a landing page on MailChimp or something. And then your database, so then your database is going to be your email softwares, your CRMs, etc. And then your scaling. So your scaling could be more like paid advertising, not just on social, but Google, they display ads, uh, all this good stuff. You can then also add in pay-for-performance models, your affiliate marketing, agency Partnerships, things of that nature. So, as you can see, there's a lot of different things in the digital world we can doing besides social media. But it's not really about one versus the other. It's how do they all complement each other, and how do they they facilitate this business for you online?
1: Absolutely. And what you can do is you can you can build this engine. I know like in the digital marketer world, they call it the machine and, you know, some people call it like the digital flywheel. It's kind of like a funnel on steroids, right? The idea is that you're making technically a sales funnel. So it's a process that you step customers through who don't know anything about you all the way to being purchasers and then being advocates for your brand. But you also want a way that you can. Kind of keep that machine rolling by having those people who are advocating for your brand so that every customer you get brings in two more, right? And then you get that, that system that plays off of itself and keeps generating more and more business. And I mean, we've, we've seen people in businesses that are doing other channels really well that are using like literally no uh, social media for sales whatsoever. If any social media at all, you know, we've got clients with, multi-million dollar businesses that, you know, pay us to post for them on Facebook because they don't do it. And they're none of their staff are on Facebook. Like they're literally not on social media at all. Still multi-million dollar businesses. So you don't have to be jumping on TikTok and dancing. <laughs> yeah, uh, But you know what? If that's your brand, that's it's a good place to do it. Right. If you sell dancing apparel, then go to TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. If you sell anything that has any kind of like entertainment component to it. I think that video platforms are where it's going to be at. Also, you know, so we have a course called Inbox Mastery and uh, it's an email marketing course. And one thing that we talk about a lot in the course is like every channel is is a driver to get people onto your mailing list because you own that, right? And uh, is there any other channels that you think are good for businesses to kind of get them onto, you know, some somewhere that you're not renting somebody else's space, you know, like like you are with social media?
0: Yep. And that's you make a very valid point. You're, you are at the mercy of the platform. The platform could eliminate your compensation. It could eliminate you from the platform altogether. I and mean, we've seen that a lot, especially with a PC culture coming in and removing people's kind of uh, voice there. Right. So. Email is always a great one. Uh, Depending on your customer, text message is amazing. Text message has seen much bigger open rates. However, it doesn't make sense to every type of business. For example, my retail client who's sneaker and athletic apparel, Text message was amazing for us. And again, because we saw the metrics and 70, 80% of people are coming through an iPhone, iOS, then yeah, I, I know you got iMessage and I know I could send you a GIF or a meme or a, or a video. So looking at that, it's really just about capturing data. You just want data from your customers. So email, uh, text, a CRM, and then the CRM could have multiple facets of data physical address, date of birth. If you can get even more granular, depending obviously on the type of business you have, other milestone data within their life besides date of birth, uh, marriage anniversaries, if you're let's say a cigar subscription company and you're getting a lot of things for bachelor parties or whatever the poker games, whatever the case may be, finding that right what makes sense to grab data from at that point? Obviously you're gonna have their physical address because you're shipping stuff to them so how can then you leverage that data that you already have So yeah, looking at things of that nature and you can find you know some some really lean, Technology to help you facilitate that. You don't have to go into Salesforce and pay them an arm and a leg, um, especially if you're at a more medium size or smaller size. But it's really just about capturing customer data. The perspective or the mind shift I'll give you there is, this is your book of business. And if you're building your book of business on a platform you don't own, then your book of business could disappear at any point.
1: I think it's going to depend too on... On what data that the customer is willing to give you in exchange for the service that you have. Like a really good example is I saw one for it was like a pet treat company, like organic treats for dogs and cats and stuff. And when you go to sign up, they ask you for your email and your pet's name and your pet's birthday. Right. Which is clever. Right. And then they send a free treat to your pet on your pet's birthday. Right. And people are like, well, I'll give you my dog's birthday. Who gives a shit? Right. Exactly, <laughs> you <know? laughs> but, you know, it, it can be like, you know, if somebody's buying, you know, maybe like a digital good online or something, maybe they don't want to give you their date of birth and their <laughs> physical address or something. Right. But also, you know, what? talking about data and this is something I had talked with Brian Hanley about, and he's the author from Content Warfare, he was talking about clean data. And that's been a topic recently. And by clean data, they mean that your data is accurate and it's super important to have accurate data. And you may want to do something like survey your customers periodically to to make sure your data is correct. Also, uh, people use burner addresses for their email address. It's kind of the equivalent of like the 90s burner phone. You know, like the pay as you go phone that you would use in, you know, because you don't want to get sales calls, you know, or if you're a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. right, right. So, yes. I was just watching Breaking Bad recently. I just finished watching. So I was like, oh, the burner phone thing. I remember that I used to sell those at an electronics store in the nineties. Nice. But anyway, it's all drug dealing aside. Yeah. If you're a drug dealer, text messages is probably no, but. Yeah, you want to you want to make sure that your data is clean, you want to make sure that your data is good and and ask for someone's best email address is also a good option. You know, you're like, "Hey, this is a, a information that you're asking for that you want to receive. Please give us your work email address or your best home email address or something depending." As a lot of people found out, work emails may not have been the best choice when, you know, 8% of the workforce got laid off since coronavirus, right? And now you know, eight ten percent of your data is, is worthless because you can't contact those people anymore. So I think there's some great information here for business owners. I think if you had talked about some other channels like affiliate and, and partnerships like brand partnerships and stuff like that, do you want to explain a little bit more what a partnership looks like for a business or how they could, you know, what some ideas on partnerships? Cause I know, I know we haven't talked about that in the past very much.
0: Right on. Yeah. And this is actually one of the ways. So one of my clients, um, when I was brought in, they were doing about, f- about five, six million a year online. In the past three years, we've gotten them to a little under 30 million. And the goal is they should be at 50 to 100. Granted, we have some internal things we got to work through before we get there. But one of the biggest channels responsible for that growth was strategic partnerships and they all came from the affiliate world. So what we ended up doing was we realized that within our industry, within the product that we sell, affiliates were a big thing because they had the voice of the consumer. They had the ears of the consumer, I should say. They were providing content that was unique to the product. They provided product story, product details, their own personal opinion on the product um, because it's sneakers. And so, you know, I like them. I don't like them. I like them for basketball. I don't like them for basketball. And so that was our first approach was let's get involved with these guys in this world. However, as we started to dig in deeper into that channel, into that strategy, looking at the players in, the, in, in that space, we realized that there were some people who would do Affiliates for service providers. Hey, we charge you based upon every consultation we get you. We also found partners who were doing technology on a commission basis. Okay, you don't have the technical resources in-house to create a abandoned cart series, to trigger off some retargeting, to create some upsell opportunities and some conversion rate optimizations onto your site because you just don't have the tech resources in-house. No worries. We'll do that. We'll keep reporting on what the revenue impact is and we'll get X percent commission on it. We actually had, we just launched it, a partnership with a company from Australia who's doing artificial intelligence on user behavior online. So if you go to a site and you'll see product recommended for you. It's not based on your behavior on that site. It's on you, it's based on your behavior in general, at least the device's behavior, right? That is on a commission basis. And the partnership we found there was these guys are based out of Australia. They have great clientele in Australia, Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, etc. But they're trying to get into the US market. And because they're trying to get into the US market, they're getting creative with their business model. Instead of charging five, 10, 15 grand up front on a monthly basis to use their software. They're going on a commission basis. Let's just implement our software. Anything that gets sold at the end of the month, we pay out. Right. So these were things that we found. You know, the, Wow, these are really strategic partnerships. This is helping us with tech, technical resources. This is helping us optimize and give a better experience without having to either have technical resources in-house or have the budget up front for it. Another thing that I would also keep in perspective, because I've worked with some local businesses as well before, and I would tell them to adopt the big strategies that the big guys are doing and bring it to the local level. So influencer marketing, if you're a local business do some influencer marketing with the mayor, with your CEO of the chamber, other business owners, maybe there's a business owner who's not your competitor, but you know, their bar is always full. And you know, your pizza joint can use some help. So why don't you do some kind of influencer marketing, taking their audience on the digital side, doing social takeovers, doing cross-promotions, whatever the case may be. So those are different joint ventures that you can be doing along with paper performance type of partnerships. Again, you can do this for me. I'll gladly I'll gladly pay what it was the I'll pay you
1: a hamburger to, or I'll, I'll pay you tomorrow for a hamburger today. Pay you Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll pay you a Tuesday for a hamburger today. Yeah. I love I love the partnerships with businesses who have the same audience but aren't competitors.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we. And one more example, and I, I just remembered, so I have had, the, we're on pause because of COVID, a client based out of Peru, retail management systems, great work. These guys, 400 clients, over 400 clients, Latin America. They have a company that's equivalent to 7-Eleven. They have over 400 doors, all this great stuff. They were trying to come into the U.S. market, right? For them, what we found was a growth partnership with a credit card processing company, And this credit card processing company, because we did point of sale and inventory, all that good stuff, obviously we'd be using their credit card processing. They have an internal department that is called strategic partnerships. That's all they do. And what they do is they actually allocated resources to us. They allocated sales resources to us. So they were running sales sequences, email, LinkedIn, and cold calls for us to get into the U.S. market. And that's a partnership within itself because we had already integrated their credit card processing. And it was a no brainer that any client that we got that was running our system was by nature going to be running their credit card processing. And if they had a credit card processor that they just would not get rid of and they were stuck with it, we would charge them a custom, an implementation fee. And then that fee gets transferred over to our strategic partnership as a finder's fee. So again, another way to build a strategic partnership.
1: So strategic partnerships obviously can be sometimes like that one, a little more complicated, right? With, you know, staff resources and stuff like that. And sometimes they can be super simple, just like you were saying with the, you know, the beer place and the pizza place. Good example of that that I really like is a friend of ours has a a local art store business in kind of the old downtown here. And we had them partner with the uh, theater that's there. It's like a live play theater called Bag and Baggage Theater. And... What they would do is they would have a coupon that goes in to when there's to the programs when they have live theater, which obviously they're not doing right now. But, you know, that worked out really well. They also had bring your ticket stub from the show into the pizza place or the bar next door and and they would give you a discount on your food or your drinks or whatever. Right. And those kind of partnerships work really good. You know, if you're physically local or close to each other. Another example of a partnership that we did is we do email takeovers. So we'll take over quote take over somebody's email for the week and we will write their sales email for them and in that we will mention that we have an email marketing course and we'll write those emails for people jose great talking to you great conversation i think this is going to help a lot of people and uh, let me ask you one more thing before you go do you think there's any other advice that you have for business owners or brands um, kind of going into the post-covid era that we have now Oh, man. Yeah, that's, you, you threw me a monkey wrench. I
0: thought you were just going to say in general, but you you're talk about COVID. Take this opportunity to do what you should have done a while ago. We've stumbled on clients who are very reactionary at this point. They're, they're putting out fires. The disappointing part is that we have been having these conversations internally for the last three, four, five years. Hey, we should update our digital systems this way because internal operations. We should update our digital system this way for our customer because it helps with the customer experience. We should implement omni-channel so we can do buy online, pick up in store type of things. Again, year-old conversations who that are now COVID is sparking action on. Oh, COVID hit? Oh, man, we got to get our technology right. No, we should have got our technology right a long time ago. <laughs> so, so business owners out there, organizations, etc., Keep that in mind. Use this. I mean, granted, we're a lot of a lot of businesses are on survival mode. A lot of businesses are on splurge mode. I mean, they're 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 skyrocketing right now. So, depending on where you're at in in those two extremes, take this as an opportunity to start preparing yourself for the future, and really twofold: one, in-house cleaning up clean up your house, figure out what's, what's working, what's not working, what you got to implement, what you got to change, optimize, et cetera. And at the same time, how is this impacting your customer? How is this impacting your customer in the short term? And how is it going to impact your customer in the long term? A lot of this stuff is going to be hypotheses because we don't know. But look at some research, listen to some data, start looking online. And we had talked about surveying your customers. One of the biggest things that I advocate for all my clients to do, doesn't matter how big or small, get on the phone with your top producing customers. Just have an engaging conversation with them and you're going to learn so much. You're going to save yourself hours of research and it's actually funner research because you have more of a conversation rather than just behind a keyboard um, and trying to read comments that they've left. So what should you be? How should you be taking COVID and the future of it? Take it as an opportunity to clean up in-house and any technologies that you should be adopting and also look at how it's impacting your customer in the short term and try to have a smart prediction on how it's going to impact them in the long term. 100%
1: I 100% agree. And just one more quick thing to add to that, that I actually just remembered while you were talking is I had a conversation with one of our clients yesterday and I asked them you know, they have an e-commerce store, but they have a warehouse. And I was like, do you offer like pickup, right? Like in-person, you know, curbside pickup. And they said, Oh, well, we'd love to do that, but you know, we're, we're just not set up for it. And their store is on Shopify and Shopify has in-store pickup as an option. They just don't know that, right? Because, you know, they, they don't read the emails that come from Shopify, right? They're like, who cares? They just delete it. And, you know, so you may actually have the technology that you already need, right? It might have been updated. So you might want to take a look at the systems you have and see if there's something's been updated or that has been added that you can use to to bring your business into the end of, of 2020, right? And uh, get ready for 2021. Yep, prepare for the comeback. Jose, thank you so much for being on the show. We'll have show notes with your information, your LinkedIn and your company website all in the show notes, which you can get at hookseo.com slash podcast. Jose, thank you again for being on and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, no, thank you
0: so much. And you guys feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Jose Kidos, you could do Jose Kidos digital and uh, you'll find me. So thanks so much, man. It was a great conversation. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson, mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.